you have your Bibles, we'll go to Matthew chapter 5. So we've been studying on the Sermon on the Mount, which was the discipleship of Christ. And if we would have been there that day and we'd say, I want to be your disciple, we would have been taught this message. And Jesus said what he meant and meant what he said in every area. That's why we take this word and we feed upon it. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 33. Once again, it's so good to see you all. God bless you. We love you. Well, missed you too. Thank you. Two people glad I'm back besides my wife. <laughs> Hallelujah. In Matthew chapter 5:33, it says, Again, you have heard Jesus spoke. First thing he spoke on, of course, was anger, which is the same as murder. Then he spoke on adultery, adultery in the heart. Then he spoke on marriage, and we studied that last time we were together. Now I want you to see about Jesus starts teaching about be careful with the vows, the promises, and how you use that most holy, holy name. Because if you lose the reverence for the name, you lose the fear of who that name is. And it says, again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths or vows to the Lord. But I say to you, do not even swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is the, God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes be yes, and your no, no, for whatever is born, whatever is more than these is from the evil one. And it's amazing. Jesus knew what he was doing in teaching and training in relationship and discipleship. It's important to see that he was so interested in the character. And he's always been so interested in our heart, the heart of his people, to have the heart of God. And what he's teaching here is that the right, write this down, the right life yields the right speech. The right life yields the right speech or the right type of language. He's talking about, as we get into this, the importance of watching our words and how we use His name. And one of the things that happened on this trip, we were on a subway and we were going to the Holocaust Museum. And I can't even go into more than that. And uh, there was a Jewish man there with his seven children. And, you know, Jake, you know, he, he, he just talks and makes friends with anybody and he goes up to this Jewish man and he says, uh, you going to the museum? And I thought, oh, God, Jake, don't, you don't, I don't know if you ought to ask a Jew if he's going to the Holocaust Museum. But he asked this Jew. And, 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 and I, I just listened and this Jewish man with his seven children said, if God so desires. And the humility in his heart caught me. If God so desires. And, and it's just this humility, like there was no I'm going to or Oh, yeah, it was like my life is totally surrendered. And if the Lord Jehovah wills, so be it. And, and you could just sense humility in this Jewish man. And, and, and I was just thinking, you know, that's so many times we thought, you know, we've heard teachings and it can get overboard. You've got to stay balanced and everything. But, you know, we've heard teaching about, well, you don't need to say, even though James said, if it's God's will. Uh, you know, you, you don't even need, you know, you don't even need to say that. But there is an area where we have to be balanced about staying in the will of God and not taking it for granted that we live totally isolated.
from God in His will and His Word. And you can sense this in this man's life that, that not only does, do, I want, does, do I want my life to be in alignment with God, I want my words and my will and my heart to be in alignment with God. So the right living will produce the right speaking. And if there's anything, like this week, if you've read Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 14, Proverbs chapter 15, Proverbs chapter 16, if you read your Proverbs on a regular day, you'll see that it speaks so much about our words, about life and death and the power of the words, being careful of what we say, watching over our words. And it's so important, saints, that it's all throughout the Word of God. When you start looking at the references, it's all through the Word of God about being careful with our tongue and our mouth and, and that the deadly poison. And, and, and there's so many things. And, and I believe that as we sacrifice ourselves and we learn to worship more and meditate more upon God, the more we'll learn to control our tongue. And I mean, you know, the Bible says that, is that that's the hardest member to control. But it's the member that rules and reigns in our life. And we have to learn to control that. And uh, as you know, he says, be careful what you swear. And as you know, in a court of law, we swear. Do you, uh, do you swear to, to speak the truth, nothing but the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? And we all say, yeah, but how many of you know that a lot of people say, yeah, but they don't even think about They already know they're going to, some people know they're going to lie before they even say it. And that, you know, putting your hand on the Bible today doesn't mean as much as it used to. But we take so many things uh, lightly before God. But he says that our speech is going to be accountable before God. Now, in verse 33 there in James 5, it says, Be careful about your oaths. Do not swear by heaven or by God's throne, uh, nor by the earth, nor, nor by his footstool, nor by Jerusalem. And the Jews had their oaths divided into two different classes. When they were serious about an oath, they swore to Jehovah, or Yahweh. But when they weren't so serious that they might break an oath, they would swear to heaven and the earth because the Jews divided the heaven and the earth from God and His throne. So if I'm really serious, I'll swear by God. But if I'm not too sure I better keep my vow, I'll swear by the heaven and the earth. And Jesus came, wait a minute, I want to remind you what David said. The earth and all its fullness is God's. So even if you think Jesus was telling them and they knew what He was talking about, Jesus was saying, if you think you're getting away by saying, oh, I swear by heaven on earth, it's more or less like us saying, I swear on my mama's grave. Like that will make any difference whether you're telling the truth or not. And so he, Jesus was saying, wait a minute, how can you swear on something you cannot change? And how can you just take so lightly the name of the Lord to swear by Him when you can't make things happen? Only God can make things happen. So be careful about your vows. And so we see here that Jesus was saying that when you use God's name, it's bonding. And Jesus was condemning this practice. Because how many of you know God is everywhere? He hears everything. He's everywhere. He hears everything. Just to share with you this scripture, you can write this down. Exodus 20, verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Numbers chapter 30, verse 2. If a man vows a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by some agreement, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. Now, when you study this according to their numbers in Exodus, and you study what Jesus was saying, when you swear by the name of God, and it starts getting into a whole different area, he starts saying, believers, you need to be careful about using sacred language. 
You need to be careful about using sacred language. It's so easy to say. You hear people say, Jesus Christ. You hear people saying, Oh my God. You hear people using the name of the Lord in vain. But when we use sacred language in an unholy way, it's vain. For example, we, we, we say things and sometimes we don't even think, but when I was a child, we used to sing this song, Sweet Hour of Prayer. And we'd sing with all of our hearts, Sweet Hour of Prayer. And you know, we, we sang it like we had did it. And the only thing we might have prayed over the week was our food. So we're swing, singing about something like it's something part of our life, but it's not. It's the same way when we say we use the Scripture and it sounds so righteous. Cast all your cares upon the Lord, for He cares for you. But the next moment, we talk in worry, we're talking fear, we're talking doubt. When we speak the Word of God, which is supposed to be the major part of our, our speech during the day, our language, that's sacred speaking. And so many times we take these things, we may be guilty, we're all guilty in areas where we take these things so lightly where we'll sing a song. or, or Like, for example, there was an old hymn we used to sing about these Sacred ties that bond. And we sing about the sacred ties that bond. But let somebody get somebody mad and those sacred ties don't bond that good. We sing about these sacred bonds, these sacred ties, these ties that bind. But boy, if somebody gets mad, it ain't sacred, it ain't binding anymore, I'm going to hang you. So it's so easy for us just to get so, and, and the Jews, Jesus was reminding them, and so many times they were so walking in the fear of God, of being careful how I use the sacred language of God. How I even say hallelujah and praise the Lord. And, and you know, uh, trying to just sometimes express ourselves through expressions that are only for God and not to give towards human being. So we see here that the, the importance of watching what we say. Uh, Abraham and Jesus and many others in the Bible made oaths. But I want to show you something in Matthew 26. Jesus said, be careful by where you swear by, but I want you to see where Jesus made an oath that was so strong. And then I'll show you one of Paul's. That What I feel, when I'm getting in my heart, when, when I meditate on this and I hear this, what Jesus was saying here in Matthew chapter 5, we can use words heartlessly so many times that the words that we use without the heart being behind them causes those words to be weak. And when we want to use them, they don't have the effect and power in the supernatural, in the spirit realm, as they would if we always used them to the glory and to the honor for which they are spoken. Like when I want to cast out a devil, and I'll say in the name of Jesus, the power in that in the spirit realm will have little effect if I've been saying, Jesus Christ, and just anything. These words become a leaking vessel. And the anointing and the glory and the blood and the power that is behind the name and behind the hallelujah. It's one thing my wife cooks something that, oh wow, we're eating, uh, we're eating uh, 
Lima beans tonight. I like lima beans. We're eating lima beans and white rice. Hallelujah! I'm really not glorifying God. I'm really just saying, all right. And I've been guilty of those little things where there's a sacred language given to us. And I believe these words are powerful. And I want you to see how powerful the vows are according to Christ. In Matthew 26, verse 63. Well, we look at 62. And the high priest arose and said to him, Jesus, do you answer nothing? What is it these men testify against you? But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Whoa. Jesus said, you put me under oath. I will speak under oath. Watch this. I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And this is when Jesus decides to speak. This will be the moment that there will be the power behind His words where He says, You dare challenge me to put me under oath under my Father, the living God? It says, Jesus said, He speaks. It is as you said. Now, he's under oath, and the Jews probably all backed away and say, Oh, God will kill him. But Jesus says, I'm under oath. And nothing can kill me under oath, for my oath is of the truth. And when we come to understand the power of vows, and we come to understand the power of the oaths, we can stand before Satan himself. And when he comes to accuse you, and he comes to say, You'll never make it. You are still a, nothing but a sinner. You are this and you are under the you are this and the other, and you can say, Under the oath, through the blood of Christ, I rebuke you, Father of lies, in Jesus' name. I vow under the oath that I am a son of the Almighty God and my sins have been thrown into the sea of forgetfulness and I am forgiven and my sins are completely forgotten under the vow, the oath of Almighty God. I stand before you at hell and rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Accuse my Christ and if it overcomes Him, then come back and try to overcome me. He put Jesus did not answer until he could put him in the place where I tell you my vow, I am him. Nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter you will you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power. He's under oath here before all the high priests and the courts in Jerusalem, and it says you'll see me sitting on the right hand of the power. And coming on the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his clothes saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further do we need to have witness? Look now, you have heard his blasphemy. What do you think? He deserves death. Why? They put him under oath. Even though he spoke the truth, they heard the truth and received it not. But Jesus knew the truth and had no problem speaking even under oath. It's powerful, isn't it? You can see Paul in Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9 verse 1. Listen. Listen how Paul... You see, Paul, 
This is what makes the Scripture so powerful. This is why we can speak them and we can pray them and we can believe them. Because they were written under oath. They were written by the oath. And listen to how Paul writes this. I tell the truth in Christ. The other translation says, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I love the living. It says, with Christ as my witness, I speak with other tr- utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. You hear what he's doing? He's speaking under oath. There is no falseness, no lie. He says, I tell the truth in Christ. That's the speaking of covenant oaths and vows. I am not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continued grief in my heart. And he goes on to tell them what he wanted to tell them. And look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23. Listen to the heart of this man as he wrote this. And he says, Moreover, I call God as a witness. I call God as a witness against my soul that to spare you I come not no more to Corinth. He's calling God as... Let the Lord be a witness against my soul, against me, if I'm not telling you the truth. The power of His words. We must remember that we are accountable to our vows. And I know you know these things, but let's look uh, at Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Let me just remind you of a few things here. Because Christ thought it was important enough to, to put within His message here with His disciples. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 2. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 2 says, Do not be rash with your mouth and let not your heart, let not your heart, there's your meditation, utter anything hastily before God. Not just your mouth, but your heart. For God is in heaven and you on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Verse 4, When you make a vow to God, do not delay and pay it. For He has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. Better not to vow than to vow and not pay. Message translation says, don't shoot off your mouth or speak before you think. Don't be too quick to tell God what you think He wants to hear. Lord, I'll never do that again. I know He wants to hear that, but I'm willing to sacrifice not to do it again. God is in charge, not you. The less you speak, the better. When you tell God you'll do something, do it now. God takes no pleasure in foolish foolish gavel. Vow it, then do it. Far better not to vow in the first place than to vow and not pay up. Don't let your mouth make a total... Listen, I love this in the message. Don't let your mouth make a total sinner of you. When called to account, you won't get by with, Sorry, didn't mean it. Why risk provoking God to angry retaliation? But against all illusion and fantasy and empty talk, there's always the rock foundation. Fear God. Look with me in Deuteronomy chapter 23. Deuteronomy chapter 23. Verse 21. Once again we see, When you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay to pay it. For the Lord your God will surely require it of you. 
What's he going to do? He's going to require it of us. And it would be sin to you. But if you abstain from vowing, it shall not be sin to you. That which is gone from your lips shall keep and perf- you must keep and perform. For you, for you voluntarily vow to the Lord your God what you have promised with your mouth. So how many of you know is speaking about keeping our vows? And one of the things that came to me, and in no way I'm, I, I'm condemning anybody who's gone through this, but isn't it something that you study? Christ talked about murder. He talked about adultery. Uh, now we see he's talking about vows. And isn't it something that when I marry someone, I say before God and these witnesses, before God and these witnesses, do you take this man or do you take this woman and do you vow to solemnly love her, love him, care for him, watch over him? Do you vow it before God and these witnesses? So many times the mind is, does my dress just look right? Why do I look right from behind? Do they see I gained six pounds? Is my hair okay? When we're thinking about so many things and what we don't realize, we're standing and we are vowing before God and the witnesses that I take you. And if I separate and put you away, I'm breaking my vow, not first and most all to you, I'm breaking my vow to Him. Because I vow to Him to take you. But when we break these vows, it brings a curse and a sin upon our country. And thank God the, level, the uh, number of divorces are going down in our, in our city and area in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. So that we're not vowing covenant breakers, but we are covenant keepers. How many are covenant keepers here? Amen. Hallelujah. You still love me. You want me to go back to, Me- to uh, not Mexico, Washington. Ma- let's go back to Matthew chapter 5, verse 34. i got to hurry up here because school time, so i got to finish at 11. Not 11. <laughs> no, not 11, huh? Matthew chapter 5, verse 34. Don't nobody leave. I don't mean 11. Matthew 5, verse 34, But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is His footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great King. And and, and it goes on to say about swearing, uh, just letting it out and speaking loosely about swearing by heaven or by earth or Jerusalem. We can't speak loose. You know what? If we learn to speak loosely, we'll start living loosely. If we speak divinely, we'll start living divinely. Amen? Ephesians 4, 29, 30. We won't look at it, but it says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, and you know, but that which is good for the edifying of the hearer. Don't let any corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. And he goes on to say, Why? Not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. What you and I say is so important. The Holy Spirit is there listening to every word, either to stay or to be grieved or to be quenched. And we have to be careful what we say because it even says the angels are listening. And then it talks about not disconnecting the earth is the Lord's. Then, of course, it talks about how can you make one hair white or black. You can't. This is what that means in the, to the rabbis. You cannot defend unguarded words. When you speak it out, you can't take it back. You cannot change one hair black to white or white to black. You can't change one hair any color. Just like you can't do that, you, you cannot guard unguarded words. I wish you'll die. 
that's speaking unguarded words and it opens the door for the enemy. I just wish you'd leave. It's speaking unguarded words for the enemy to come in. Whatever these things may be, we have to be careful with these unguarded words. Uh, I belong to God and I'm responsible to God. Romans 14, 7 through 9. What we say privately and publicly it is accountable to God. Jesus was saying there in Matthew 5, 34, Do not swear at all. Watch your conversation because what you say does matter. Look with me in James chapter 5. James chapter 5, verse 12. Help us, Lord, to guard our mouth. David prayed, Lord, put a guard over my mouth. Put a guard over my mouth. And you know, he did. When you go read the story, so many times the story of David and Absalom and, and, and David and his great men that stood beside him and then turned on him and wanted him dead. What did David do about his own son that David had to run in the mountains and his son uh, mocked him by his concubines on the roof and all that David did? What did David say about Absalom? Don't touch the young man Absalom. Don't kill my son. God, watch over my son. Keep my son. And when he found out he was dead, it broke his heart because he had learned to guard his heart so that he wouldn't think something. Because if I dare, if I dare give my heart, Jesus says, be careful not to even utter something in your heart. If I just, if I just dare to let my heart think it, if I'm not careful, my mouth will speak it. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So Jesus is speaking all of these examples. He's saying, you can't even... Get angry with somebody because it's murder in your heart. You can't even lust after somebody because there's adultery in your heart. Here he's saying, you can't even think of something. Oh, I thought it, but I didn't say it. The Holy Spirit is saying, oh, that's so dangerous. Because I heard the thoughts of your heart. You didn't say it, but you thought it. And that means there's the possibility of you saying it. Putting a curse or receiving a curse. Be careful what your words say. And James chapter 5 verse 12. The Living Bible says, But most of all my brothers and sisters never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else. Here's James, the brother, half-brother of Jesus, preaching the same thing. Just say a simple yes or no so that you will not sin and be condemned. And be condemned by your words. The, mis- the message says, don't add words like, I swear to God, to your words. Don't show your impatience by, concerning, co- by concocting oaths to hurry up God. Just say yes or no. Just say what is true. That way your language cannot be used against you. Chapter 3, verse 5. Chapter 3, verse 5. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes great speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest fire. Look at verse 8. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. It says, in the King James, it says in verse 5, It says the tongue 
is so set against our members that it defiles the whole body. Say whole body. I'll look that up. And that word there is not just saying it defiles the speaker. It defiles the congregation. Pastor, where's the revival we keep hearing the prophecies about? Where's the move of God? Where's the miracles we hear about? The tongue defiles the body. I got back here one day. My first back day back to the office. Somebody is accusing somebody of something. How many times I've had people, do you know, do you know, can't you discern, aren't you a man of God, can't you discern that that person is doing something with that person? Can't you discern it? Yes, and I take it to the feet of Jesus and I leave it in the hands of the judge. If you know something about someone, you take it to the feet of Jesus. But you are condemning yourself to a faster death and condemnation to those you are accusing of. What someone else may be doing may be a sin. But let me say something. I'd rather go eat at the house of a adultering couple than the house of a gossiper, slanderer, judge. Christ rather eat and sup with adulterers before he would the righteous Pharisees who are so quick to catch the woman but leave the man away. By this member we condemn the body. And I so wish that the body we will learn is none of your business what that daughter or that son of God is doing. And you say, you mean you you condone and you love and you accept those people? I accept them in the love of Christ and I am willing to cover and look beyond because I know a God who can deal with whoever He's got to deal with in the way He knows best how to deal with them. And if God tells me something, it's not to tell them something unless He says to tell them something, but as to shepherd over them, I pray for them, I love them, I lift them up, but you have no right going around talking to them and somebody for something you call sin. They will answer to a holy God. My job is to pray. Your job is to pray. Our job is to pray and to love and keep this thing silent. It's between them and God. It's between them and God. It's between them and God. No man, no woman is a judge. I am not a judge. I don't want to judge. Because I have enough to be judged on. And if you were truthful, you too, too. Because we're not perfect. But he who can control his tongue is considered perfect. Let's not contaminate the whole body because we want to be heard and seen and sound righteous. Let us cover the nudity of Noah. Let us walk backwards 
and cover and leave it at the feet of Jesus. And go on and say, that's my daddy. I love my daddy. I honor my daddy. I will not allow my heart to think like I hear the other one saying, he's an old drunk. I'm not even going to think that way. My daddy gave me life and I am his seed and I'll bless him. I cover him and I love him. And God says, you and you, I bless. You little turkey, I curse you. Because you judged your father. You leave your dad to me. It condemns the whole body. Let me show you an example. Let me read verse 9 in the message translation. It says, I got your attention right now. This is scary. You can't tame a tiger, but you can't tame a tongue. It's never been done. The tongue runs wild, a killer. With our tongues we bless God our Father, and with the same tongues we curse the very men and women He made in His image. Curses and blessings come out of the same mouth. I want to show you Numbers chapter 14 when I talk about the whole body. Numbers chapter 14. How many on discipleship I can preach this way? Amen? And you'll come back next week, huh? Numbers chapter 14, verse 26. What it says here. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. Well, Father, we pray for the fear of God. And being careful, more careful about what we're saying. Matthew 12, 36 says, For every idle word men say, they will give an account of it on the day of judgment. Let me use this as an example. Say something. You know I can't do that. Okay, you said something. <laughs> Say something. Hello. Say something. Hi. Okay. I can ask these three people, and she was the perfect example. She says, I can't do that. But there's a recording back there that says she did. There's a recording that, that those two said something. They can't take it back. It's recorded, isn't it? It's on tape and CD. It's on tape and CD. That's how careful we have to be. I make a lot of bloopers. Y'all know that in my English. It used to be worse, but it still happens. And when they come out, I can't take them back. I've said bad words. God knows I didn't mean to, but they, they came out and they're recorded. And, you know, like in the old church, I wanted to say when Paul was shipwrecked. Many of you remember what I said. And I can deny it all I want to, and she'll tell me on the way home, and I'll deny it all the way home. But when I get that tape and I hear what I said, Father, forgive me for I have... 
why it was recorded. And no matter how much I say, I was preaching about the ship. But no matter how much I try to deny it, it's recorded. And I will be known as the pastor who said that word in church. <laughs> it says for every idle word, God's got recording. And I said, oh, no, I didn't. He says, yes, 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 you did. But I didn't mean to. You did. You didn't repent of it. I have the recording and I have the proof. Strong. Look at Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, uh, I'll be finishing. Matthew 15, verse 18. But the words you speak from the heart, that's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, slander, these are what defiles you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. He's saying religious isn't going to defile you. It's what comes out of the heart. And isn't it something, here we go, that Jesus goes back to his first points. You'll never murder in your heart. You'll never commit adultery. You'll never murder. You'll never commit adultery. You'll never lie. you never do the other things. If you just go back to the one truth, you watch your heart. Not to think those things in your heart because it's what comes in the, out of the heart, out of the mouth, causes you to side with the devil or causes you to side with God. Now, Psalms 141, verse 30, we won't look at it because we don't have time, but it talks about David was saying, Lord, help put a guard over my, my, my mouth. Would you just please stand? And uh, he's praying there so you can look at that. And I want you to memorize it and study it. Psalms 141, 3 and 4, just verses 3 and 4. And it talks about put a guard before our mouth and over our heart.